Turn in your New Testament to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Luke 1, 26 through 38. Welcome to Advent. After the long waiting, Advent means the coming. It means the arrival. It means the breaking in. And this morning I want to begin Advent by looking at the joy of the unexpected. And let's read the scriptures, Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom shall have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How shall this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, for he is the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and is in the sixth month of her who was called barren, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The joy of the unexpected. Have you ever had a huge, big, positive present (laughs) that was unexpected? Suddenly before you, how many of you had an unexpected proposal of marriage? Uh, I am one. I didn't have one. I gave one. Um, And she, Gina, was very surprised uh, that it happened when it did. How many of you have had a surprise birthday party? How did it feel to have this huge, positive, sudden surprise? My 40th, by the way, was a surprise birthday party. And it tells you, I guess, something about my lack of intelligence that I was actually surprised. But I was. There's a, kind of, there's a kind of joy that comes from the unexpected. There's a kind of joy when, when suddenly it's just there and suddenly it's bright and suddenly it's more and you see it and it's yours. And it's just joy from, from, from just left field. Let me tell you, this was very unexpected in our text. I cannot tell you how unexpected this was that the angel Gabriel would show up at the house of a 14-year-old, maybe 15, we're not sure, but somewhere in that range, 
Okay, I don't know if the angel descended. I don't know if the angel appeared, but just bear with me, bear with me for sake of illustration, okay? Angel of God coming from heaven. Okay, we're Google earthing. Can you, are you with me? We see earth. Here he comes. Where is he going on earth? He's definitely going to the Middle East. We're coming in. Google earth getting big. It's going to be Israel. We're coming down. It's going, of course we're going to Jerusalem, right? No, 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 no. We're going north to Galilee. That's unexpected. For lots of cultural reasons, if you wanted to go make contact with somebody important in Israel, you would not go to the hillbilly region of Israel, where all the Gentiles uh, were surrounding and and so many lived. Well, he's going north. And uh, where is he going? No, not Nazareth. Remember Nathaniel's words? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Do you know why Nathaniel said that? It's because that was like a saying during those days. When people would talk about Nazareth, you would just say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Similar to uh, Paul quoting that all Cretans are liars. That was just kind of a, a cultural saying at that time. The angel of God is going to Nazareth. Not to the mayor's house. Not to the priest's house. To a 14-year-old girl living with her family close to the poverty line? I mean, really? This was unexpected. Remember the joy of the unexpected? We'll get there. It's a delayed reaction. First, we're going to start with fear and concern from a 14-year-old. Now, Mary's just kind of minding her own business doing what she did in her household when suddenly he was there. He was none other than the angel Gabriel. Please understand the significance of this. Not just an angel, the angel Gabriel, like the messenger angel. Yes, the same one who came to Daniel with the prophecy of weeks. The same one that appeared to so many people in the Old Testament. And there he is. And uh, I don't know what Gabriel looked like, but I guarantee you he was formidable. He was glorious. And he was in her family room. (laughs) We suppose alone with her. We're not sure if he appeared and he saw her or she just heard the words behind her, greetings. You know, we're not sure. Greetings, verse 28. Oh, favored one, highly favored of the Lord. The Lord is with you. King James, hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with you. And she was afraid. I mean, think about it. Wouldn't you be afraid? I mean, even if you were a 52-year-old, not a 14-year-old, you'd be afraid. And, uh, and she was afraid. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at these words, this saying, and she tried to discern what kind of a greeting this would be. You know, mysterious, glorious, angelic being, um, God kind of sending a message. Uh, It's not immediately assumed that's always good. (laughs) You know, that God has showed up in my living room. You know, she's trying to discern what kind of a message that this might be from God. And what we find in the text is that highly favored becomes greatly troubled. In fact, Luke 
uses a Greek word here used only in this place in the New Testament, and it means shaken up. Literally, the word describes stirred up, confused, and perplexed. Well, there you have it. Greetings, highly favored, and uh, there is stirred up, confused, and perplexed. So, Gabriel tries to allay her fears. Verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. I've come with something very positive. You're not in trouble from the throne of God. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call your son, his name, Jesus. I mean, the angel basically says, do not be afraid. You're, you're graced by God. That's what it literally means. Highly favored. Congratulations. You're going to have a baby. You will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will rule over the house of Jacob, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Obviously, this is the Messiah. Mary doesn't immediately say, the Messiah, great. Mary asks a really good question. Okay, how's this going to work? You know, she says, I, I, I am a virgin. I have not had relations with any man. How's this going to work? You know, I, 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 I thought a lot about this scene and, and this godly 14-year-old girl. I'm talking about the person in the whole world that God chose to be the mother of his son. I mean, you, you just can't, you just can't appreciate Mary enough. And I'm looking at her face, and I'm looking at her asking this question after the, like, the greatest thing that they've all been waiting for has just been. And I'm seeing a perplexedness, and I'm seeing a sincerity. And don't you love the fact that, that Mary just kind of says, okay, tell me, how is this going to work? Can you see the, the troubledness in her face? Can you see the, the sincerity in her face? So Gabriel answers her question with more mystery. Verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will, quote, overshadow you. That's how it's going to happen. That really didn't answer too specifically the question, okay? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy because the Holy Spirit will do this. You'll, it'll be conceived by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to think about this girl. I mean, that's a lot. That's more than any other woman had, had ever had in front of her in, in the history of mankind. She's 14. She's 15. She's engaged. No, she's not engaged. No, she's betrothed. And there's a big difference between engagement as we conceive it, as we think of it in our modern terminology, and betrothal uh, as we find it in Bible times. You know, engagement, you, you know, engagement means you got a date, you, you know, you got a ring, you got a promise. But in our culture, you can break an engagement without too terribly much social stigma, right? Not here. No, her life is set when this surprise happens. 
Betrothal was a formal ceremony that set up a relationship that could only be severed by an actual divorce. If the intended died, if Joseph would have died, her intended, her betrothed, she would have been considered in Israel a widow. Meaning, there's a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, whatever, when the angel Gabriel appears in her living room, which is way too opulent of a word for where he might have appeared in her house. Everything's set. This is like not a good time to be pregnant out of wedlock by the Holy Spirit before marriage. And Mary's heart is focused, of course, on the wedding ahead and her dreams are becoming a reality. The china is picked out. Her life is set, it is decided, it is streamlined, it is secure, and then this. I mean, is Mary, Mary could already be thinking of the implications because pregnant out of wedlock had huge social stigmata also in those days. And uh, she might have been thinking about this, the implications of this mysterious pregnancy. There's a lot riding on this. We, maybe we would put it that way in our modern language. There's a lot riding on, on what's going on here. Also add to that, that most scholars to kind of look at kind of the way things happened back then. Um, Joseph probably wasn't 14 or 15. Joseph was probably significantly her senior, I don't, we don't know how much. Uh, Joseph's a man with his own job, so to speak. He's a, a carpenter. So usually like the 14-year-old intended of the 25-year-old groom-to-be probably wouldn't make decisions alone that are life-changing on behalf of the couple. This is This is amazing. You do realize how normal it would have been for Mary to say, look, I am betrothed and my husband-to-be and I don't make any decisions without, like major decisions without talking it over. I mean, we went through premarital counseling. Uh, we read Larry Burkett's book about uh, financial management for young couples and like even like a decision more than $50. We don't make it without talking to one another. Could you do me a big favor? Could you like on appear? Let me go talk to Joseph and then reappear maybe in 24 hours and I'll have an answer for you. I mean, I want you to think about it. We read this, you know, the angel Gabriel came to a virgin in Nazareth and he showed himself to her and said, you're going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. You're going to bear the Messiah. And we go, oh, yes, yes, we know all about that. This is amazing. But then Gabriel gives another piece of information that is just huge for Mary. In the midst of all this kind of confusion and stirred upness and questions, suddenly there's something very tangible and it has to do with her cousin who's a senior citizen 
Her cousin is married to a priest in the Judean hill country named Zechariah. She's barren. It's been a source of grieving for the family for all of their married years. They've kind of had their 50th anniversary already. And what does the angel say? The angel says, verse 36, Behold. Anytime you see the word behold, it means stop and look. Something's about to happen here. (laughs) And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and she is in her sixth month of pregnancy. She who was called barren for nothing is impossible with God. And there's just amazement And there's comfort there. This morning we're focusing on the amazement of it. Next week we're going to focus on the comfort of it when when Mary and Elizabeth get together. She knew that her cousin Elizabeth was senior citizen, barren, etc. And Mary knew if that miracle happened, that this one was going to happen too. Mary knew if that could happen in her family, this was for real. And if if that was that good and this was about the Messiah, how much more exponentially good and glorious would this be about? And she could touch it. And you know, I don't want to make a lot of comments about her answer. I mean, I could go on and on about it, actually. But thankfully for you, I will not. I'm just dumbfounded every time I read this sentence. I think I'm dumbfounded because I probably know myself well enough to know that I, in her shoes, probably would not have answered this way. I would have been more like Zechariah. You know, earlier in Luke chapter 1, Zechariah just doesn't believe it's going to happen. And Zechariah can't talk (laughs) because of it. You know, Zechariah the priest, you know, like the preacher doesn't have this kind of faith. And he's struck mute until John the Baptist is born. Very dramatic how that happens when he's born too. But listen to this, these words of a, of a 14-year-old that loves the Lord. After all this, and Mary answered, Behold, She throws in a behold of herself. Behold, I am God's servant. Let it be to me, just as you have said. Behold, see, Gabriel, this is who I am. I belong to him. I love him. He's my life. And if that's what he wants, then I'm in. Let it be just like the throne of God dictated word for word the message from God himself. That's what Gabriel does to me. Let it be to me 
according to your word. And then it says, and the angel departed from her. You wonder what Mary thought in the minute she was just like alone with all this. That morning when Mary got up from her sleep, it was like any other morning. The hope chest had everything in it. It was ready to go. Life was fixed. By later in the day, everything in her life had permanently changed. And if you track and trace the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus, you will find that her life is anything but ordinary. You will find that she is one of the very few people who are actually going to be at the foot of the cross of this son one day. And then her concern turns into joy. How do we know that? Well... We go down to verse 47. We have this thing called Mary's song. Mary, you could call it Mary's psalm. P-S-A-L-M. Mary's song. Mary breaks out into a joyful praise of God and a gratitude to God for her being included in the plan of God. I just want to read a few verses from Mary's song. Verse 47. My soul magnifies the Lord. In other words, God is big to me. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Why? For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, and behold, from now on all generations will call me the blessed one. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is His name. And His mercy is for those who fear Him. From generation to generation. You too can walk with this God. You too can submit to His will. You too can rejoice in His salvation. And your children. From generation to generation. And so, this is the joy Finally, of the unexpected, it comes from the fact that the long-awaited Messiah, Mary's Messiah, is to be born now, like in this nine-month window of time. It comes from the fact that God has highly favored, highly graced her among all women. She will conceive by the Holy Spirit and the, the overshadowing of the power of God. She will carry the Son of God to term over nine months. She, she will be intimately involved with this. And finally, a birth. And so we might say this, kind of a play on words, if you don't matter, mind. Um, with, with Mary, the, the joy of the unexpected literally turns into the joy of expecting. And maybe that's even another play on words, of the joy not only expecting, but the joy of anticipation and expecting the incredible thing that's about to happen but if you think that's what this passage is all about, you're wrong. Mary is not the main point of Luke chapter 1. Neither is Zechariah. I know that is contrary to the belief of some people. <laughs> but Mary is not the main point here. Jesus is the main point here. Luke chapter 1 is all in these stories of John the Baptist's miraculous conception from Elizabeth in Jesus' miraculous conception 
by the Virgin Mary. Luke chapter 1 is all about the greatness and uniqueness of Jesus Christ as the Savior. That's what the Spirit of God is doing through Luke. He is beginning to open our eyes to how marvelous and great Jesus is. John the Baptist's birth certainly is a miracle too. The senior citizen conceives, etc. Jesus is greater, isn't it? A virgin conceives. John will be the forerunner of Jesus, the, the Elijah to, to show the way, get the path ready. Jesus will be the, the sinless, virgin-born Messiah who is the Son of God. John the Baptist is called by the angel Gabriel, same angel. He shall be called great before the Lord. Jesus is called the Son of God Himself. And you need to understand this. It is precisely the uniqueness and the greatness of Jesus as the Messiah that gives Mary her true joy and her involvement. It is precisely that this is the Messiah now and her Messiah. And it is to kind of revisit the, the, the title of the entire series, Joy Unmeasurable, because it is joy about God, joy from God, and God for you. It's unmeasurable joy. It is salvation that comes from God. And especially in Advent, this is where our joy needs to come from. I know there are a lot of sources of joy, and the Bible's not, not down on all those sources of joy. They just can't be the number one source of joy where, where the true fountain of joy is. We need to be amazed again that God would leave heaven and become a man. Brad, stick your hand out. Stick your hand out. That's what God did. See, God loved Brad so much that he actually took skin on. That God didn't just say, hey, Brad, I'll give you some truth. Hey, Brad, I hope you can come up to me. No, God was born. This is humiliation. That God would take up human flesh, that God would descend to us. I mean, this is incredible love. This is humiliating love. That God would be in a womb? And why is God in a womb? Because God wants to save people who are in a womb. God wants to save people who are real. This isn't Eastern spirituality. This is God so loved us that He sent His only Son. And I'm going to tell you, whether it's Brad, and especially Brad, or whether it's me or any of you, there is no hope before a holy God just trying to get there somehow the best you can with some spiritual aids. Not going to happen unless you just say that God's not holy and God's not great. Well, let me tell you, God is holy and great, and this child comes to be one of us through Mary, and He is great and He is the Son of the Most High God. Maybe it's time to be re-amazed by the incarnation of God Himself. That He would willingly be born, that He would willingly be mistreated, 
that he would willingly be nailed to a cross and assume my sin and yours for the ultimate and final once for all sacrifice on our behalf and it is nothing but grace to us because of, of what Gabriel told this 14 year old and a part of the story is as she said I'm in Christmas is about the unexpected it's about God breaking in God coming at you not waiting on you to come to Him. God with you. God in you, finally. And so we marvel at the infleshing of God, the long awaited Messiah, and yes, we marvel at a young girl who is surprised by joy named Mary. And might I just add one more thing? Not just the re-amazement of the Incarnation. It's incredible. And I am His only because of that. I am free only because of Him. I'm forgiven only because of Him. But maybe a different little angle to close. Maybe it's time for you to have your life to be willing to be interrupted and surprised by God. Maybe it's time to actually look at whether we are submitted in our hearts, in our minds to God. Maybe it's time to, to, to ask, do we say to God, whatever you say, I'm in. Let me tell you, some incredible things would happen in the kingdom of God and some incredible things would happen in the greater Jackson area if we were to be reamazed at the grace of God and if we were to say, God, I'm in. Because we know where that leads. That leads to, to something called ministry. That leads to incarnation. That leads to skin on skin and the grace of God and the gospel flowing to other people. Maybe it's time to trust God in a new way and be able to rejoice in new ways because of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you've ushered us into Advent this morning such a joy to read this passage and marvel at the history, the actual history of the angel Gabriel and this young girl and your plan and her willingness, but especially in Luke 1, the greatness of you, Jesus, that only points up the humiliation of your coming for us. Oh, Lord, would you turn our hearts more toward you, away from ourselves in the way that we tend to wrap our hearts around ourselves and our wants, and more toward you, more toward your grace, less toward our self-justification, more toward your humility, less toward our pride, more toward your love, less toward our demands. And Lord, would you not only fill us with your grace and mercy and love, but would you fill us with joy. Surprise us with joy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.